Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The first book in the New Testament, Matthew 25, and verse 41. When I was about seven years of age, uh, a salesman came to the door of our house in, in Walkenstown, and he was selling encyclopedias. And we bought the set uh, in the house, and it was about, I think there was ten books in the set, but um, it was all about different stuff. But the last book in the set was a, a picture Bible. Um, and it went all through, I think, pretty much the New Testament, from what I remember. It, it's, it's gone now. I can't find it anywhere. But um, I remember being struck as a child uh, with one particular picture. In the last picture in this uh, series of pictures that went through the whole book, uh, all the different things that the Lord did in, 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 as the different accounts of the Gospels. Um, but in the last, it, it looked at the judgment. And um, it looked particularly, this picture was the judgment that's uh, accounted here, where there's the dividing of the sheep from the goats and the basically people who would go to eternal uh, destruction and people who would go to eternal life with the Lord. Um, and that picture stuck in my head. I was about seven or eight years of age. Um, and later, when I was 25, I came to know the Lord as my Savior. Um, and different times in my life, as I, as, as I knew I'd sinned, and I knew God wasn't happy with my sin, and I one day faced him, that kind of that picture stuck in my head of, of people facing uh, a fire, a literal fire. On the other side, then, a picture of... Um, Lights and, and, and rejoicing as people were going to um, to heaven. So let's uh, look at read the scripture again here. This is um, Matthew twenty five verse forty one. In fact, just to get the context. Um, should read down um, from verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and the holy angels with him, uh, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, um, which, by the way, is in the temple in Jerusalem. That's what that's talking about, the, the uh, Lord coming back to, to reign on earth. Um, and he, he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on, the, on his right hand, but the goats on, on the left hand. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was an hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when... Saw we thee and hungered and fed uh, thee and are thirsty and gave thee drink. Uh, when saw we thee a stranger and, uh, and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. 
Then shall he say on, also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was unhungered, and you gave me no meat, and so on. Basically, it's uh, the um, reverse of what the Lord has just said to those who would go to glory, go to be with him in heaven. Uh, this, is a, this is a judgment uh, some people are often confuse with last uh, judgment. It is, a, it is the end of time. It's the end of the millennium kingdom. Uh, but it's the people who were just literally living, uh, or, or it's at that time, they probably died at this stage and they're being judged by the Lord. Um, and they're going to just be separated. The nations are lined up and they're separated as a final judgment. As the end, it's, it's in the millennium kingdom. The Lord is sitting on his throne and he's there at Jerusalem. Um, and so as a separation happens in this time. Someone to joy and peace and someone to uh, a terrible eternity. And that struck me. And I feared facing God. I knew I'd sinned. And God used that picture and that a picture of that account in the Bible uh, when I was 25 then to make me desire to get right with God, to, get, to, to, to understand about how my sins could be forgiven and how I could uh, avoid facing that judgment and facing the depart from me statement that Jesus clearly gave at this time. And uh, so that was, um, as I said, when I was seven, this, this, these books arrived into my house. I trusted the Lord when I was 25. The books were still at home. My parents weren't very happy with uh, my decision to trust the Lord. I went back to look for the book later on, and it was nowhere to be found. I think my mother gave it away. Uh, she wasn't happy at, at, at me having uh, trusted the Lord and, and gone a different way to, um, to the family at the time. So she knew about this, this, uh, this book and, and its influence of my life later. Thankfully, she also trusted the Lord and is with the Lord right now. But what we have um, to, to understand uh, from what we read here in Matthew 25 is that um, there is really an end coming. You know, when, when uh, Adam, we spoke about this Sunday morning, when Adam took of that fruit that he said, God said, don't touch, that, don't touch and, or don't eat of that fruit, and he took of it, um, sin came into the world. And, and there, uh, Jesus said that, that uh, this place of punishment was uh, prepared for the devil and his angels. It wasn't prepared for mankind. It wasn't prepared for you and me. Uh, walking this earth, sinning as we do. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But when, when Adam willingly took of that fruit and disobeyed God, the, the, all of that area of, of judgment and of, this, of, of, of punishment was opened up to man. And naturally, because of sin, men were heading there. And what, what uh, we've got to realize is that today, men are still heading there. Tonight, People are leaving, their, leaving this earth, dying, and facing hell, literally hell, because of sin. And thankfully, because of the sacrifice of Christ on Calvary and his shed blood, and accessing that by faith, we can receive complete cleansing and not have to face that. 
But what I want to really encourage you tonight is to have some uh, compassion for those outside, because uh, in the day-to-day world, we take different views about people, because people can be very irritating, or people can be very selfish, or what's, you know, how do we view people? People you deal with every day, uh, and you say, well, they all have their own agendas, and they all want to do their own, their own thing. And very often, our barriers go up to people, and we, we, we shun people, or we, we, we just don't get involved with them, or don't, don't want to know about them. But that's not clearly uh, what the Lord wants. And nor is it clearly what those who are currently suffering in this place of judgment want either. So let's, let's look also then at Luke um, 16. Just with Matthew, Mark, and then Luke uh, 16. And just get a, a picture of what Jesus tells us about uh, this poor man who was, uh, it doesn't tell us his name uh, in, in the account that Jesus gives us here, but this is a real situation. Um, and we read from verse 20 down. And a certain, uh, sorry, 19, uh, verse 19, yeah. And there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the uh, the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and Lazarus, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into the place of torment. This is the account of a real person, a real man uh, that Jesus speaks of, uh, clearly lived in, 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 uh, around that time. Um, but both these men are dead. One's in heaven. Now, and once in hell. But what's the wish of the man in hell? Um, he has thoughts and, and concerns and compassion for those left behind. Okay, he's not, he's not fighting about the justice of being in hell. He knows his sin has got him there. He knows he deserves judgment. Uh, that's not the issue. What's his concern? His concern is send somebody to warn those who are still on earth. He says he's five brothers, five brethren. They haven't understood about this place. They haven't, uh, they haven't, they haven't um, 
uh, heard the gospel. They haven't heard the good news. They haven't heard about the reality that the wages of sin is death and that there is a judgment to come because of sin. And so the concern of people who are suffering right now in hell is for people who are still alive on earth, who haven't yet heard. And so we know that the Lord's concern is for people to get saved. Baba says it's his will that none should perish. We know that um, it's the will, it's, it's the concern of, of people who are suffering right now in this place of torment. Uh, his first, first request was for some relief, a drop of water on my tongue. That wasn't possible. But the second request was for somebody to go to his brothers so that they also wouldn't go there. And who, in, in, in this day, is able to go? If you know the Lord tonight, if you've experienced what I've experienced, the salvation of, of the Lord, of having your sins completely cleansed so that you, you, you're no longer going to face that judgment, that terrible day, you're able to go. Not only are you able to go, you're commanded to go. And that's the reality for each one of us tonight. If we know the Lord, there, there, there's a burden from, from heaven for those around us, and there's a burden from hell for those around us. The parents, the, uh, those, those who, are, who are right now in, uh, facing judgment, uh, or face judgment, and, and, and are suffering as the, the rich man suffered and is still suffering. His desire is that somebody would go and warn people who are alive. And so we're, we're, um, we're qualified to go because we've experienced that salvation. We're commanded to go in the Great Commission. Um, look at Matthew 28. And verse 18, 28 verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And so there's a concern and a burden from heaven for these people there's a concern and a burden from hell for these people. And then there's a command from the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only, not only is there a command from the Lord Jesus, there's actually authority. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And that power uh, is going to accompany us. He says, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So there's authority to go to these people. And you may say, um, I'm afraid to go to somebody and tell them and warn them. They'll just shout at me. Or you may say, I'm, 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 I, I, just, I just can't do it. I, I, I'm uh, not good at speaking or I'm not good at um, communicating this particular truth. And uh, I just get, I don't know enough scripture and I don't know the Bible and 
it's just so hard to, to witness. But you see, um, <clears throat> you might notice sometimes the, the guards, when they're training, uh, they'll have a yellow um, thing on their, on their uh, yellow badge now, I think it is, but a yellow stripe on their collar, on, on, the, on the shoulder thing, which means they're, they're, they're not fully uh, out there uh, working as guard, full guards. They're just uh, accompanying somebody and learning. But, you know, they've still got authority uh, to stop traffic. If there was an emergency, they'd be called in uh, to help in, with the emergency, whatever emergency arose that the guards would be involved in. Because why? They've got authorities. They've got uniform. They've got um, the state, the power of the state behind them to say, uh, stop the traffic or take somebody in to, for questioning or whatever task they have got to do as a guard. They've got full authority, even though they're just still learning. They're, they're guards. They're out there. And um, if you're learning and if you're just newly saved and the Lord is speaking to you about this need to get the gospel out, or you see somebody in great difficulty and you know the gospel is the answer for their life, um, you've got authority. Not only are you commanded to go with the gospel, but you've got authority from the Lord to go with the gospel to that person. And so that any objection they make to you, you've got a higher authority. In the, um, the Cold War days when Russia... Uh, would lock out Bibles, lock out missionaries, lock out, uh, persecute churches. Um, Christians consistently went to Russia with Bibles, and they went also to Russia with the gospel, and the churches kept on meeting, and the churches kept on trying to reach people. But you say, it's illegal. The police will arrest you. They'll put you in jail. Why are you doing this? Because they had a higher authority. You know, that's, that's really it. And, and what you can realize is the authority is much higher than any human authority. The authority that sends us, the authority that accompanies us, the Holy Spirit, um, and the authority uh, that uh, is going to be working in that person's heart. What's the Holy Spirit's job in this task of reaching people with the gospel? You can talk to me tonight. Convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So he's, he says he's going with you. He's going even before you. Just the same way as that, that salesman had no clue of what he did when he brought that, sold us that encyclopedia with that Bible and that picture Bible and that particular picture that God used in my head to show me there was a judgment coming. And caused me to, to grasp the gospel with both hands when I fully understood it and, and trust the Lord as my Savior. He had no idea. The Holy Spirit placed that Bible in my house, that picture Bible, when I was a kid. And the Holy Spirit then worked in my life to show me I had sin. And I needed, and, and, and that, that judgment wouldn't be pleasant. You know, he brought the whole thing together. And then when um, he brought me in contact with somebody who gave me a tract, Pastor Zemeski, back in... 1980, and he brought me all the way right through the whole thing. The Holy Spirit was doing all that work. But Pastor Zemeski was commanded to give the gospel. And he had authority to give the gospel. And 
he had the compassion uh, to give the gospel, spurred on by God's love for me, spurred on by, obviously, the cries from those who'd gone before and were judged um, in eternity. That's, that's the reality we're facing. This is real. We, we can't see it because every day we live in a world that just the sun rises, everybody goes to work, cars drive up and down the road, people go to shops and do all those things, and it's just day after day after day similar things happen. But this is really going on now and in eternity forever. It's everlasting, this eternity of judgment followed by hell. It's real. It's happening now. It'll happen forever. We've got to take a kind of um, a little injection, if you like, of the reality of that judgment and the reality of what's ahead for people so that we <laughs> it's easy to get bitter against people. It's easy to get uh, offended by people. It's easy to... Um, you know, if somebody does you wrong, your, your focus on them is not a concern for their, for their eternity. Sometimes it's even a concern that, you know, I wouldn't witness to that person because they might go to heaven. That's awful. I've heard somebody say that. It's a really awful thing to say. When you think of what we're facing, we're facing a real situation where people are going to spend eternity with the Lord in heaven or without him, tormented in that flame as, as the rich man found himself. And it's, it's, so it's, 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 as I say, it's a kind of a... Um, every so often we need to wake ourselves up to this reality because the world just, just goes on day by day and we get, we get uh, affected by the world to the point where we just don't see people in their need anymore. We don't see the need of, of their soul, of their eternity. We just see people and what they're doing to us and how they're impacting on our lives, we don't see their great need. And so I just encourage you that as we need to get this gospel out, there's a great urgency because we don't know how long we've got. We don't know how long it is before the Lord is going to come back. And there'll be people that you've witnessed to that have said no to you, maybe over and over again. But you've got authority to go back to them. Not from uh, any human source, but from God himself. The authority comes from Matthew chapter 28 and verse um, 18. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. There's no greater power You've got the promise and the reality, if you've experienced it yourself, if you've ever trusted the Lord your Savior, that the Holy Spirit is working in their heart the same way as he worked in your heart. That's what he says his role is right now. What was it? To convince men of righteousness, judgment, and sin. Sin, judgment, and righteousness. The righteousness of God, the perfection of God, their sin going against God. And that's where men are. The Holy Spirit's working. We're commanded to go. We're commanded to take the gospel to them. 
um, getting tracks out is very effective. But I think speaking to people when we can and, and making the opportunity to speak to people is so important. Um, oh, many, many people over the years have, been, have come to the Lord and trusted the Lord, even on the doorstep. Um, I can count uh, a number of people that I know actually trust the Lord on the doorstep. We haven't seen them again, but I'm, I'm confident we see them in heaven. That God does that kind of work. And then many others have come even to church and trusted the Lord as Savior. Many have come to uh, come and gone, having trusted the Lord as Savior, maybe gone to a different church. That's not the issue. The issue is how, I mean, we, we sometimes, you know, get fussed about um, silly things. We're concerned about um, our position, how people view us, all this kind of thing. Our, our pride gets in the way. But, you know, the need of people out there to trust, come to the Lord, to trust him as Savior, to know the salvation of the Lord, to know the cleansing, of his, the cleansing power of his blood is, is so important. It needs to become the number one thing in our life. Um, work is important. Everyday life is tough and, and all the issues that are going on around us, but we need to make reprioritize this vital um, reality. Just imagine for a moment, one, one day I was walking along down the street and God gave me, um, just for a moment, all these things going in my head, work and phone calls to make and emails to sort out and checks to pick up and all this sort of thing. And suddenly God gave me a, a, a stopped me in my tracks literally. And for a moment he gave me a, a vision, it's over. There's nothing left to do. It's all over. And there's just the redeemed and the lost. Those who will be with the Lord in heaven and those who are facing the judgment and the fire and the torment of that eternity. And like all of those things that are important that we put priority on every day, we're over. In, in, in that moment that just God stopped me and literally walking down the street and just refocused me for that moment. The reality is people will, are born, they live in families, they grow up, they go to school, they start working, uh, they, they live their lives, they have children, and on they go and on they go, and, and um, all through that time they're sinning, breaking the law of God, and they have no clue that, 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 that it's going to be over. As the time coming when they face eternity and the judgment is there waiting for them. They know in their heart that they've broken, their conscience has told them that many things they've done are wrong. But we need to go and tell them in more detail. They know they've done wrong. It's not hard for people to figure out. But how that they can be forgiven? How does they can have their sins cleansed completely by the blood of Jesus Christ? The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. So as you go to them and, and, and just share with them what God's done for you, if that's all you know that God has done, that's, that, that's enough. In many cases, Jesus saved me. He can save you too. You may not uh, know a whole lot about, the, about many scripture verses, but that's enough. 
You might show them the scriptures that God used to, to save you. Whatever scriptures that spoke to you. And, you know, you've, you can go with confidence. No matter what the situation looks like, no matter what response you get from the person, you can go with confidence that the Holy Spirit's working. That there's uh, a divine agenda and we're part of it. That God wants to reach these people, whoever they are that God's put you in contact with. You know, everybody here has a different set of contacts in this church. And it's time for us to reach out again and start reaching people again. And God wants that. And you know something, the people who have gone before them, who hadn't heard the gospel, who had never heard of, 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 of salvation, want that too. That's their cry from hell right now. Send somebody to warn my grandchildren. Send somebody to warn my brothers. That's, that, that, that's what we hear from the scripture. That's the heart of the people who've gone before them. And that's what we need to really take on board tonight. It's real. Uh, this is not a dress rehearsal for something that's going to happen later on. This is it. This is the time. And any moment, we don't know when, uh, as the Lord tarries, there's going to be a sound of a trumpet in heaven, from heaven. The whole earth's going to hear it. And then for us, it's going to be over. People will stay on the earth for the time of the Lord's kingdom reigning on earth. We'll come back. But that's what's ahead of us. And while we have breath now, we need to be speaking about the Lord. We need to be telling people about their great need. And we need to be doing it with a sense of urgency. Because we don't know how long we've got. We don't know how long they've got. God knows. Uh, and he will give the command for the sounding of the trumpet when he's going to come. But we see in Scripture tonight the command, the authority he gives us so that we need not fear anybody and that God's agenda, God's plan and his will that nobody should perish goes right through this whole thing. You see, the biggest problem we have is that nobody listens. When nobody listens, we think nothing's happening. Or people shun us because we've given them the gospel before, or people shun us because they think we're weird or whatever, but they don't see the reality. Um, my daughter was on a bus going to college recently, and there was smoke coming out of the engine. Um, and the bus driver stopped the bus and spent about 10 minutes on the radio to, um, to the uh, people in the control asking what this alarm was about that was on the engine. Beep, 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 whatever was beeping away. And then he suddenly decided everybody should get off the bus. And he was very flustered <laughs> about this. Um, but as my wife pointed out, he should have known what the alarm was. He should have known the urgency of the situation that the bus could have gone on fire and people could have been very seriously hurt. Um, 
he hadn't prepared himself for that eventuality of, of all those alarms on the buses telling him what was what. And he hadn't really prepared then to evacuate the bus properly when the alarm went off. We need to be prepared. Prepare ourselves spiritually. Prepare our hearts to speak to people. Uh, be close to the Holy Spirit. It's vital. So that when the Holy Spirit says, go talk to that person, you don't miss it because you're bitter against them or because there's some other problem that, that's between you and them. Um, so we, we, we need to be in that position. You see, the, the poor bus driver suddenly found out that there was an urgent situation, and then he was getting everybody off the bus, and then he was panicking. But it was 10 minutes after the alarm had gone off. We have time while we're breathing to get this gospel to this country of ours and, and, and people that God has put us in touch with. And that's all we have. We don't know how much time we've got left. We don't know how much time we're going to be breathing for. But as, often, as, as quickly as we, as, as, as we can, we need to get this gospel out. So we need to prepare. We need to study the scriptures, get the Romans road down, get the, the netcasters, if you've not done the netcasters, if you've done it, revise it. Go back to the, to, to the book or to the small plan and just memorize some scriptures again. Um, and if you haven't done any of that, rehearse your testimony so you can tell people how you got saved, how you trusted the Lord, how he cleansed all your sins so that you know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die. And you can, you, you can then be in a position to get this gospel out. Why? Because it's urgent. Because people need it. Because people need to know about the judgment to come and about the great love of God for them that he gave his, his son and his son shed his blood that, so every sin that was ever committed and ever will be committed could be cleansed. And people out there just living their lives, going up and down the road, going to work, going all over the place and no clue. And suddenly it will be over. There's a day coming when it will be over. We won't have a chance anymore. We have a chance now. And I suppose that's, that's really what I wanted to get across to you tonight, that the opportunity is now. Very often we're saying, well, Lord, please bring revival, then everybody in the country will get saved. And I pray the Lord will do that, but it may be that he's going to hold that off. And in the meantime, he wants us to get the gospel out. He wants us to speak to people we're not speaking to. He wants us to give tracts where we, we're not giving tracts out. Uh, he wants us to invite people to church where we're not inviting people to church. Um, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11. Finally. Sorry, 2 Corinthians. I made a mistake before. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11. Verse 11 says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. 
but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest unto your consciences. Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and um, he's talking about the coming before the judgment seat of Christ and receiving the rewards. And one of the things that Christ is going to give rewards for is that we would spend time persuading men. Knowing the terror of the Lord. And you may say, well, arguing is futile. And I agree with you. It would be a terrible thing to get into an argument with somebody about the gospel. But we are to persuade men. We're to persuade men of their great need. We're to persuade men of the urgency. We're to set aside time and effort to um, talk to people so that they see their need and come to the Lord. And we're to see the Holy Spirit work in, in the thing because he promises he is working already. And we're to go with the authority of Jesus as he's commanded us to go. All power is given. And lo, he is with us always. That's... Yeah, so spend time. Replan your, your, your day. Replan your, your, your schedule. Make time to persuade men. Make time to prioritize the gospel in your day. Uh, make time to give out tracts and get tracts out however you can. The people God's put in your way, try and be sure that everybody can hear the gospel from you. Try to be right with men so that they, they're not... They're not so um, upset with you over something else that they, they can't hear the gospel from you. That's part of it, too. Very often we, we're fighting with somebody and they're not going to hear the gospel from us because we're fight, they're fighting with us. And that's terrible when you consider the eternity that they're facing. So, let's pray tonight. Well, we see your command in, in, in Scripture. We know, Lord, that uh, it's your will that none should perish. And, Lord, we ask you to just renew our hearts in this area. Lord, help us to prioritize the, the getting of the gospel out to, to those around us in this time. Lord, we do pray for a great revival in our country, that you would come in power. But, Lord, please um, enable us right now to um, see the lost around us. And, and Lord, give us the, the, the urgency and the compassion that you have for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.